Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing Season 46, Episode 8 of SNL with host Timothy Chalamet and musical guest Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. I'm Catherine Coleman, and I am joined this week by John Murray, as well as New York-based sketch comedy writer Jason Wildhagen. You can connect with Jason on Instagram at Wildhagen Karate. And you can find us at SNLpodcast.com. Enjoy these selected highlights from this week's discussion. If you'd like to watch our full-length, ad-free, sketch-by-sketch review, you can find it exclusively on Patreon and Subscribestar slash SNL Podcast. It's our supporters who make this show possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. All right, here we go. So this week's episode had a strong first-time host, tons of airtime for our featured players, and maybe even an emerging comedy duo in Tim and Pete. And we'll have plenty to say about that in just a minute. But first, let's welcome Jason to the podcast. Thank you. Thank Hi, you. Jason. It's a pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have you here. Jason's a old friend of mine from UCB, and he actually joined us over the summer to talk some vintage SNL. But for any of our listeners who weren't around in the off season, Jason, why don't you tell us a little bit about your sketch cred and how on earth you are qualified to critique the institution that is SNL? All right. Well, uh, I've been writing sketch comedy since I moved to New York in 2017. Uh, I studied at UCB and the Magnet Theater and have written and performed uh, for shows at both of those theaters. I'm currently a writer for a team called Give the Baby a Knife, which is a team in the Boogie Manja Sketch Comedy Collective. Uh, We used to perform once a month at the People's Improv Theater in Manhattan. But since COVID, we've been putting uh, shows online at Twitch TV slash Boogie Manja. In terms of how I'm qualified to critique Saturday (laughs) Night Live episodes, I guess it's just years of practice. Uh, So long, long you know history of watching SNL. Uh, You know the first casts that I remember really falling in love with as a kid. You know were you know the uh, Dana Carvey, you know, Mike Myers, uh, Chris Farley uh, casts. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just fun to be able to uh, talk about the show with you guys. Merry Christmas, baby. Are you kidding me, Nathan? Did you seriously buy a car without asking me? Well, because for Christmas... This is a major purchase! It's a December to remember when Nathan surprises his wife with a Lexus that they can't afford. So, Jason, good commercial parody. What'd you think? This this was a big win for me. I loved this sketch. Uh, <laughs> I I mean, maybe it's because I hate you know Christmas <laughs> car commercial. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's and to see them spoof it so perfectly with you know the uh, the wife being like, "What are you?" doing we can't afford this (laughs) it was and watching this guy uh beck bennett's character just 
viral. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was fantastic, and it looked it looked like a Lexus mm-hmm. commercial. It was oh, yeah. shot and framed and lit just like you know any other Lexus commercial that you would see on TV. And I think that that made you know the um, you know the contrast with the jokes really mm-hmm. like land very well. Yeah, definitely. The first forty five seconds of this. If, you know, you could easily think was a real Lexus commercial oh, yeah. before it takes that turn. And that's just the amazing production department at SNL. They always nail their commercial parodies and it's just very impressive. And that always enhances their commercial parodies so much. And I thought this was one of the stronger ones. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is that it's not necessarily the most unique joke. I think it's something that's a pretty common thing that I think people have observed about those commercials is a car's a big purchase that you should not surprise someone with. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, definitely not the first time I've heard that, but they executed that observation into a sketch so well that it still worked. And they found really fun places to go with it with, uh, you know, kind of now the wife's kind of uh, doing some shady stuff and then having the neighbor comes in, it turns out he loaned him the money. You know, they found really good places to go. So it didn't just rely on that one thing that, you know, a lot of us have maybe heard before. And I think that, that that is what helped the sketch along and then add in that amazing production. And it's, it's a huge win. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Paul Briganti. Uh, he directed mm-hmm. this. So if, if you guys liked what he was laying down, he was, he was the guy, um, but also written by Streeter Seidel. Uh, and Beck Bennett and Fran Gillespie was in the mix on that one. So it feels very streetery. Yeah. Yeah. We, we get a lot of these twists on uh, something wholesome kind of sketches from streeter. Um, Beck Bennett is at his best when he is knee deep in a midlife crisis. <laughs> uh, this feels like a sister sketch to the boop it sketch from a season mm-hmm. or two back. Do you guys remember that where, uh, you know, the dad's watching the kids have like some sort of after school boop it session and you're quickly realizing that the dad is like, he's divorced, he's depressed, he's unemployed, he's just a schlub with nothing going for him. And you see his world start to unravel. And then Heidi Gardner as the, <laughs> I'm just not having any more of your crap mom, um, yep. you know, bursts in to take the kids. This felt like it was in the same universe as that. And I, I just really love it. I love it when you take something like caustic and try and mash it into something that's like wholesome holiday fare. Mm -hmm. Uh, That always works for me. And I think Streeter Seidel is really the king of that. Uh, I I just really think that they, they took everything that these characters could bring to it. And they all just found a, you know, wonderful things to add to this horrible situation. And uh, I lapped it all up. I thought this was really, really fun. Yeah, I think that the moment where uh, this sketch really won me over, um, because Catherine, you're right, like, you know, it's not an original, you know, joke to be like, people can't just afford to give, right. you know, their spouses <laughs> cars on Christmas. Like, when it, like, really got good for me was the moment where you find out that this guy lost his job <laughs> yes. and he says, well, tr- you know, coronavirus really, you know, it's been hard on everyone. And then you find out he lost it the year before. Right. right. Like, okay, this <laughs> mm-hmm. is this, that's perfect. And then right. you really start to see it spiral for him. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the first turn that they, they added something onto the mm-hmm. original joke and you're like, okay, yeah, this is going places. All right. Well, so far, I think we're all feeling pretty pretty hot on this episode, so let's keep going. The Dionne Warwick welcomes several young celebrities on her show, 
even though she has no idea who they are. So, Jason, how'd you feel about the Dion Warwick talk show? I really liked the Dion Warwick talk show. Uh, it's I, I don't know that I have ever actually seen someone do a Dion Warwick uh, impression, but I was <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's Dion Warwick. Uh, and really nailed kind of the tone. You know, I don't know if you guys uh, follow Dion Warwick on Twitter these days, <laughs> but uh, really kind of caught that, you know, earnest, semi-clueless, you know, <laughs> Uh, uh, older lady, you know, on Twitter tone. Right. Uh, and yeah, there were a lot of great jokes. Uh, you know, the impressions of the guests uh, were pretty good. Some of them a little bit more fleeting than, you know, uh, I, I would have liked, would like to see, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit more of, uh, you know, Pete Davidson's Machine Gun Kelly, which seemed <laughs> yep. to last for like two seconds. Right. Um, but overall, I thought that this was a successful sketch. Yeah, yeah, I have I have kind of a lot of thoughts on this one, and you you started to touch on one there, Jason. Of that, mm-hmm. so it it starts off. It's the Dion Warwick talk show, mm-hmm. which is not a thing that exists. No, uh, <laughs> not like the Drew first, Barrymore talk show. Which right at first exist. I'm like, oh, I I missed this, so you know this might go over my head a little bit. Uh, but then it turns out that it's it's not a parody of the Dion Warwick show because it doesn't exist. It's actually going to be an impression wheel sketch. And I like impression wheel sketches, but this is sort of an interesting way to do it, right? Because it's you it's kind of taking you in a lot of different directions. You're like, okay, it, it's a it's a talk show parody. Okay, now it's now it's all impressions and so I sort of got a little lost in that. And like you, I'm sort of thinking some of these are just a little too fleeting. There's there's more room to go with mm-hmm. this and uh you know, there's room to have Timothy Chalamet as Harry Styles and Chloe Fineman as Timothy Chalamet on screen together, and that can be really funny. Right. And there, so I was left a little wanting of them to lean into one or the other here. So more, more Dion Warwick or more Impression Wheel. Um, so it kind of had a lot of working against it, but at the same time, it's all really funny stuff. So like, I'm not even really feeling like it's middle of the road. Yeah. It's sort of like, it's sailing pretty high despite these things where I feel like if they had made stronger choices, it could have gone even higher and been even better than it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, I didn't peg it as an impression wheel sketch. I pegged it mm-hmm. as you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So more of a fish out of water type of situation. Okay, that's fair. I, I see ego, you know, this is a vehicle for her Dion Warwick. Mm-hmm. And I think the impetus was just more along the lines of, Dionne Warwick's trying her best to, to get on board <laughs> with Twitter, but she just isn't getting it. Um, yeah. And I think that's a, a great enough starting point to, to build the sketch. And, and I think what they came up with was, was good. And if you aren't looking for it to be an impression wheel, then having Pete Davidson sort of walk on and walk off as quickly as he came, uh, it doesn't feel like a liability. It just feels like mm-hmm. we're trying to stay out of the way of Dion because all the good lines right. are Dion's. You know, all the all the gags rest in Ego on this. So I was happy to throw back to Ego, let her do something else that just proves how uh, just ineffectual she is as a as a, a Twitterati. Um, <laughs> so I thought that if if you frame it in those terms, that it worked really, really well. And I think that Ego just knocked it out of the park with her impression, with her singing and just, you know, just really staying in control of that character throughout and uh, just making me believe it. And mm-hmm. I I thought that this was a heck of a lot of fun. Ego was so good in it. 
Yeah. Uh, and I never would have guessed that in 2020, Dion Warwick would be right. a hysterical <laughs> SNL character. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, she was so funny uh, as Dion Warwick. And uh, I really liked the um, the beat where they were going over to the kitchen for the right. cooking segment. And she just <laughs> keeps singing and yeah. uh, grabs a bite and walks off. Because uh, <laughs> right. she only yeah. knows how to do one thing. She's a diva. She only knows how to break into song. Yeah. So you put her in any situation, she's just going to fall back into the things that she's confident in doing. Uh, and I think that that, that makes the sketch even funnier that you get this, this context about where she's at in her career and just how she can adapt. Um, it, it was really, really fun. I, I think you make a good point, John, and that may, you know, maybe I, I am framing it wrong. That that's because it, it is, it's all about Dion and these young celebrities that she doesn't really understand. Yeah. And I think maybe on a different episode, I wouldn't, it wouldn't, that wouldn't have occurred to me me but the fact that i went into this wanting to see what chloe and timothy were going to do mm, sure is what made me sort of feel that way of like well, no but i want more of the impressions you know they they so. definitely blurred the lines because you do get some really fun impressions that we could mm-hmm. spin off a whole nother sketch right. into so right you're you're not wrong if that's what you were gravitating towards you'd be like more please right um but yeah i just i felt like ego was strong enough that i was happy to go back to her and and yeah. we'll revisit um Timothy Chalamet another time. You know, we've already seen him before and I'm sure we'll right. see him again uh, or at least Chloe Feynman's take on him. Right. <laughs> if you want to see our full sketch-by-sketch sketch review, search for SNL After Party on Patreon or Subscribestar.com. Let's talk about the moment of the night. John, how about you go first? What's your moment? Oh, geez, the first half had so many good moments. You know what? I'm going to give it to the reveal of tiny horse because the first 30 seconds that sketches, you know, pa, why can't you trust me? You trust me with the hogs. You got to <laughs> trust me with whatever's going on. And like, it, it very much is something in the, the vein of, uh, of some sort of like rural drama and you're not sure where it's going. And it's not until mm-hmm. you get the, the big doughy eyes of this hastily made <laughs> low frame rate claymation thing that you instantly fall in love with that you're like, what the hell am I looking at? And it was that moment, that first time when we see tiny horse that I'm like, okay, I'm so confused, but I'm so in love. And uh, I got to give it to that. Very good. I'm going to give my moment to quest love slapping Timothy Chalamet with a comb. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Golden. Loved it. (laughs) Jason, how about you? All right, so we won't uh, be repeating each other. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the joke in the December to Remember uh, car commercial where we learned that Beck Bennett's character has been out of work since March of 2019. (laughs) Yep. It's a good moment in that that turn that we we mentioned. You instantly know everything you need to know about that character. Mm -hmm. He's just a loser. And at this point, everyone's just going to heap coals on him for a minute and a half. Very good. Let's talk about our best sketch. John, how about you? The first half of this show uh, had a lot of contenders. Mm-hmm. I thought Rona Family Christmas was clever wordplay. I thought December to Remember was just a stunningly well-realized pre-tape that captured the the feel of a car commercial and mm-hmm. married it with such wonderfully caustic family dynamics. And then you have Tiny Horse, which I'm still scratching my head at. Why? I love it so much. 
And it's just that it appeals to something. It, it, it scratches an itch that you never expect SNL is going to scratch. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm giving it best sketch because I, in a way, I want to feel like I'm encouraging the show to do more of this stuff. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to fit the mold. Just, yeah, sometimes just yeah. take a take a leap of faith that something that seems funny in your head is going to come out funny on the screen. And right. even if it breaks all the rules, just let it let it exist. And they took those chances with Julio. It seems like they're taking them with Steven Castillo. And uh, I, I just want to see more of it. And Dan Bula, too. And I just I, mm-hmm. I really want to encourage more of this stuff. Yeah, it's something that would feel a little bit more at home on uh, I Think You Should Leave, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. There's definitely an uh, absurdist quality to it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my best sketch is going to go to the Rona Family Christmas. Yep. I just think that was a great idea that they took to fantastic places and was executed really, really well. So definite mm-hmm. high point. I really love that one. Jason, what's your best sketch? This was tough for me because... Uh, yeah, I th- think that December to Remember is um, such a well-executed sketch, uh, both technically and in its beat progression. Uh, really, really funny, funny jokes, well-acted, all of that. But you know, when somebody, when I think about this episode, I'm going to think about Tiny Horse. Sure. You know, so I have to give it to Tiny Horse for all the reasons that uh, that John mentioned. Yeah, that's fair. It definitely it definitely is a standout because it's so funny, but also like you said, because it's not what you expect. So it's inscrutable, and that yeah. it, it, it it's so so satisfying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very fair choice. Let's talk about our MVP, John. Who are you going to give it to? I think there's a case to be made for Heidi. I think there's a case to be made for Pete, but I'm giving it to Melissa because we haven't seen enough of her this season. And sometimes when you make the play, when you just knock one out of the park, that's all I'm looking for. And I was happy to see her at the desk. And I just, I don't know. Anyone that um, keeps close tabs on the cast knows Melissa's had a rough year. Like COVID's Mm -hmm. hit us all kind of hard, you know, but she feels things, you know, we're all human. And I was just really ready for her to get a big win on the show mm-hmm. and I love to see it. And uh, I don't, I don't feel like it's a, a sympathy vote because she knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. If she didn't do the job, I wouldn't give it to her, but she yeah. really made the play. She really, really nailed her dolly. And I had a lot of fun with that. And just the added meta knowing that this is, this is just something that I wanted Melissa to have. So Melissa, mm-hmm. you're my girl tonight. Yeah. She was also, uh, did a great job smaller parts but in the yeah, yeah. the spanish influenza right. and as william eyelash yep so yeah melissa had a good night and i was i was really i was really glad to see melissa uh not just knock it out of the park in that one thing but be pretty present in the episode mm-hmm. but i think i'm going to give it to timothy i That's think fair. he it's his first time here and i think he did a really really phenomenal job he super competent monologue that was charming and confident and then some just great acting chops in like Rona family Christmas and tiny horse, you know, bringing us that drama and then getting to see his silly side with stuff like the wrap round table. So he, I think he's a host that really stood out in the sense that you're like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm seeing Timothy everywhere and he's doing Mm -hmm. a fantastic job in everything. He really, he really did. Yeah. I think he knocked it out of the park and I can't wait to see him back again. Oh, he'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, who's your MVP? 
So I thought about uh, Heidi and Melissa as well. Uh, but I am going to give my MVP to Ego for a really great Dion Warwick. Sure. Uh, yeah. And being just super funny in that sketch. And if she were not, you know, if she were 10% less funny in it, I'm not sure how well that sketch would have worked. But mm-hmm. I thought that she was fantastic and she carried that sketch. And uh, yeah, so that's that's what I'm giving it to. Yep. Yeah. I feel like Ego's really, Ego was great from the start, but she's really coming into uh, being an up and coming star of the mm-hmm. show. And, yeah. you know, I've seen her embracing some, uh, you know, promotions on Instagram too. So she's getting some attention outside of the show. And I'm mm-hmm. really glad to see that because I think she is fantastic. Yep. Let's get into the, the, the big one on a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck. How would you rate this episode? Jason, we'll do oh, you first. I'm first. Oh, man, mm. the pressure is on. <laughs> uh, I would rate this a great episode. I, I'm i not quite sure that I'm you know, uh, uh, willing to give it the classic label, uh, but this was a very, very strong episode. Uh, you know, The uh, cake competition being kind of the only sketch that didn't work for me, and maybe mm. that's why I'm not, you know... Uh, uh, comfortable giving it the top mark uh but yeah i i'll probably rewatch this show mm-hmm. this episode at some point and uh for me to say that i think it has to be a, a great episode definitely i think this one is a hard great uh definitely or <laughs> sorry i an meant that grade. like it's yes. an easy great but like also it's like it's hard great like it's yeah. very firmly a great solid episode. great yep. I don't know. yes yep. there we go solid's yep. the word i needed <laughs> so it had so much working for it. I, I was very nearly gave it a classic. But I think Doctor We Notice and the holiday baking one kind of pulled it down. And then, like I said, I was a little bit more iffy on Sports Max. So a back half that wasn't as even as that first half, you know, kind of kept it from being a classic. But it's it's a great and it's a really, really good great. So that's where I'm landing. John, how about you? I think it just barely gets over the line into great territory, personally. I think this episode, more than any other episode we've seen this season, to me, feels like true SNL in its mm-hmm. pacing, in just getting what you expect to get from an SNL episode. Uh, I, I think we had a serviceable cold open. I think we had a monologue that makes you root for the host. I think mm-hmm. we had a killer front half of the show where they front loaded all their best material to really just get you jazzed. We had a super competent musical guest that just always delivers. And we had a little bit of weakness in weekend update and we had a little bit of weakness in the back half an uneven back half. But is there enough material in there to make a really, really solid one hour outing of SNL vintage at 10 PM? Absolutely. And by that standard, I think you got a great episode that we're going to see in rerun rotation fairly often. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, think we're all pretty hot on this episode timothy chalamet one. did a great job and he will be back great. he will it be like yeah so absolutely much yeah. yeah super strong sketches and a very fun night so jason thanks so much for being here i loved having you it was a pleasure it was great yeah. to uh talk about this episode with you guys yeah and once again jason's sketch team on boogie manja is called give the baby a knife and you can catch them on twitch.tv slash boogie manja You'll be back, you said, in February? 
In February, yes. Very Spell good. Boogie Manja. B-O-O-G-I-M-A-N-J-A. Okay. Is <laughs> there an E in there? Halfway through, I was not sure if I was going to be able to pull it off. <laughs> okay, search for that, and hopefully you'll get somewhere in the you'll realm of their stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you'll end up in the boogie-verse. <laughs> Very good. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks to Jason Wildhagen and John Murray. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever better podcasts can be found. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host Kristen Wiig and musical guest Dua Lipa. But until then, this has been episode number 123 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) 